Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian. Life is hard. Let's all kill ourselves. Eat some waffles. Oh, we can't kill ourselves. So we have just come off an episode in our season on the films of 1999 that made Jason very angry. Yeah, this that movie should have killed itself. And now we're on to an episode. A lot of suicide this seems, season. Seems have you like, noticed that? Uh, I, I, Virgin there, suicides? Oh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. You know, well. Death in the sixth sense, maybe not suicide, although I'm sure there was some suicide. Yeah, possibly. Then, oh, yeah, the, the guy at the beginning of the sixth sense. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Kills yeah. himself. Yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, Wild Wild West, the suicide of Barry Sonnenfeld's <laughs> directing career. <laughs> and now we're on to another movie dealing with suicide. What a theme we've uncovered yeah. for 1999. 1999, the, the greatest year for film and suicide. <laughs> Um, so this is our episode on the Cannes Film Festival Palme d'Or winner, and that is Rosetta from Belgian brothers Luc and Jean-Pierre Dardenne, who are major, major figures of world cinema. And this film, this is their third feature or fourth feature film, I believe. Um, their big breakout. But it was their big breakthrough. Yes, it was, you know, winning at Cannes. And this was the start of their position as sort of these festival darlings and again major figures in world cinema where every time they make a movie it's it's an event yeah and this is i mean i don't have the whole list in front of me but probably the least known of the movies we're covering this season i'd say yeah i think so um the dardens are certainly very well known within certain cinephile circles but whether they're that well known in the mainstream Probably not. Well, Josh, I'm a cinephile. You are. And they were not known in my circle. Okay. Well, I'm glad just me. we could, your circle is just you. Oh, it's a kind of a lonely little circle there. Well, this is the year of suicide we're talking All about. All right. So. Are you okay, Jason? Yeah, I'm not, gonna, to... I'm not going to kill myself. Okay, good. So, good thank, good to know. Yes. Yes. We are thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, but this movie, uh, I could see how people on the brink, this could be like, yeah. I am going to go kill myself. It is. It is certainly a depressing movie, which uh, as someone who has seen multiple Darden brothers movies is kind of their thing. Um, <laughs> you, you know, they have a very unsparing view of life, which I think can be, can be bracing and can be refreshing because they're not, candy coating things but it is also super depressing I mean, at times if i read correctly they grew up in like the french speaking part of belgium nice countryside you know pretty good stuff like what's your deal dardense i mean sometimes you know you gotta even if you come from a privileged background you feel like you want to show the range of humanity i'm okay with it belgian privilege yeah i guess so <laughs> So this this film did, in addition to winning the Palme d'Or at Cannes, it also won the Best Actress Award at Cannes for Emily Dickin. Uh, her debut, correct? Her debut, yes. Yeah. Her first role. And quite an impressive, I mean, I think regardless of what you think of this film, a pretty impressive debut for her. I mean, she can definitely walk in a brisk pace. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very important aspect of being in a Darden Brothers movie. Well, she does a lot of brisk walking in this film, so you know that. No, she's good at this film, obviously. Yes, I, I and think... And she went on... She's a, you know, a working star actress. In yeah, Europe, I mean, so. this was a this was certainly a, a good launch for her, for her career, and she got tons of acclaim for this film. And this movie actually made some money 
It grossed $5.6 million worldwide, which is, I mean, I think a pretty good number for something this bleak and uncompromising. Of course, only $267,000 of that was in the U.S. So here in the U.S., we don't want to be confronted with uh, the harsh reality of life. Whatever. You know, cinema is, like you said, a a worldwide uh, global phenomenon, Josh. So That it is. uh, Hey, we don't know what it costs of this movie. I couldn't find anything on what it costs. I'm sure it can't have been very much. I mean, it's a very simple, spare, you know, pared down kind of thing. Waffles aren't expensive to make. No, no. There are a lot of waffles in this film, Mm. um, you know. Quite a Belgian stereotype. Dave uh, doesn't eat uh, the carbs anymore. You you offer waffles altogether. Is there a keto waffle? They're absolutely. uh, Yeah, there's very much chaffles. They're made out of cheese and egg. Oh, that's. Yeah. um, Are there are there Belgian chaffles? I suppose that would be possible. Uh, Are the chaffles good? I love them. They're so good. Amazing. Yeah. Do you can you put syrup or is it syrup? You can get some keto syrup. You got chaffles (laughs) in the house right now? No, but I can make you some. Yeah, I'd like I'd like a chaffle. I would eat it on the air right now. All right. So. Uh, let's let's table that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, it was also submitted by Belgium as its uh, official selection for the best foreign language film Oscar, although it was not nominated for that. Declined. Yes. Um, it was nominated for best foreign film at the Independent Spirit Awards. Uh, that's, that's it. In, I think in terms of the U S awards, but it also, uh, was given some various awards in Europe, which uh, Jason may have written down. I do have many for you, Josh. So it won the Joseph Plateau award for best Belgian actress, which of course was our lovely leading lady, Emile Ducan. Em- Emily, I think. Emily Ducan. Yeah. And uh, of course it won the Andre Cavain's award for best film in Belgium, which the Dardens now have a record of five Andre Cavain award for best film. I mean, I would have to wonder, like, are there other Belgian filmmakers there, that are this well known? There's one other that has five also. Oh, OK. And the she, Chicago Film Critic Association. Oh, there's a American uh, organization. Awards gave uh, Abilie Ducan a tie for most promising actress with an actress named Julia Stiles <laughs> for 10 things I hate about you. Oh, uh, yeah. I, thankfully, hopefully Emily Duquesne cannot speak English and or does not listen to obscure movie podcasts. I am bad at pronunciation. Yeah, we're just going to keep butchering but her name over and over again. I don't mean, I don't mean that disrespectfully. No. As you said, she's very good in this. She film. is. She is very good in this film. And this film was very well regarded by critics in the U.S. Uh, again, it was a breakout for the Dardens. Um, I would imagine at least a good number of critics and cinephiles here were probably familiar with their previous film, La Promesse, which was also highly acclaimed. But this was really the one that got a lot of the media attention. It got uh, two thumbs up from Roger Ebert and his guest critic at the time, Michaela Pereira, although she did complain about the shaky cam, uh, which is a, a lot of prevalent it. element of this yeah. film. Yes, a lot of handheld cinematography uh, in this film. So uh, Roger Ebert, in his review, said, The film has an odd subterranean power. It doesn't strive for our sympathy or make any effort to portray Rosetta as colorful, winning, or sympathetic. It's a film of economic determinism, the story of a young woman for whom employment equals happiness. Or so she thinks until she has employment and is no happier, perhaps because that is something she has simply never learned to be. I think that's a key element, not only of this film, but all the Darden films, is that like the kind of character that you would think would be likable or sympathetic 
uh, is not. Like uh, Julia Stiles. She is very likable in 10 Things I Hate About You. She is. Uh, I disagree with Ebert, Josh. Oh, okay. I don't, think, I don't think she equates employment with happiness. Employment is a necessity for this person to survive right. on every single level. Yes. Her mother is... Um, you know, trading sexual favors for alcohol does not work. She's clearly an addict of some type, right? Um, you know, they're turning off the heat and she lives in a trailer park, you know? I mean, she needs the job here. She does, but I think one thing is that she is obsessed with the idea of getting a job rather than accepting any help. You know, there's a scene where she goes to the, like, welfare slash unemployment office and they tell her, well, you can't get unemployment because you weren't employed long enough. At the, the beginning of the movie, she's being fired from some, looks like a factory job of some kind. It's, it's, it's unclear. And she's very upset about this. Yeah, she's not doing anything to ingratiate herself to like if there are rehires or something. No, no. So she tries to get unemployment, but they say she wasn't there long enough. And then the, the clerk says, well, you can apply for welfare. And she won't do that. She leaves. And the idea that her mom has been getting charity from someone, she is sort of unwilling to accept help even when it is offered to her uh, as an option. When you say her mom's been getting charity, will you please s clarify? What well, right. You, you, you say that she is trading sexual favors, and that's true. But there's also where she says, oh, I just someone gave me this because, you know, they, they mend clothes for people, right? That's one of the things they do. Yeah. And she says, or they clean, and she cleans houses. But isn't it alcohol? It's always alcohol. Right. Like I, what, was what, that? I thought that was maybe food. It was it's hard to see what they're fighting over in that scene. Okay. But maybe you're right. Maybe that was I thought but, she took it because the mom's an alcoholic. And she's always I mean, there is that. But I feel like there's also the idea that, like, if you were given something like we don't take handouts, even mm -hmm. though they desperately need them. Yeah. She'll only get it if it's employment. So, I mean, in that sense, whether Ebert is right that she thinks it's going to make her happy, maybe not, but she she is obsessed with that as the idea of how to help herself. I'm about to take a chaffle handout whenever I get the chance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lisa Schwartzbaum in Entertainment Weekly said, made by Belgian-born brothers Luke and Jean-Pierre Dardenne, whose previous feature, La Promesse, was equally perceptive about people surviving in the economic margins, Rosetta stuns by closing in almost claustrophobically on the small, repetitive gestures of despair and determination. The girl clings to normalcy through a sequence of daily rituals from the fetching of water to the changing of shoes. Defying pity and demanding a chance, Rosetta is a character of raw pride in a film of lingering power. So she's echoing kind of what we just argued about. I, maybe I missed it. I just thought that, uh, I mean... Uh... Pride, stubborn, you know, however you want to call it. Like, she makes a lot of mistakes here that could make her life easier if she would just chill out. Right. Well, I think that is the idea. Maybe that, she and should those, drink some of that alcohol that the, her mom's got stashed away. Those, uh, those, those mistakes come from her weird sense of pride that she is only willing to sort of accept, uh, you know, money or, or success or whatever if it comes in this very specific way. And it leads her to make these decisions that are really not good decisions and yeah. not helpful to her. Yeah. Like uh, almost killing that dude. Yeah. She, she almost kills him because she wants to work. She wants his job. <laughs> right. That's a good defense. Like, no, uh, no, it's not a defense. If I just let you drown, then I could have that job at the waffle station or whatever. Right. It's definitely a not a, it's not a defense, but it's sort of a reflection of her warped sense of what is acceptable. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> so uh, Stephen Holden in the New York Times was less enthusiastic. And uh, given my uh, anticipation of Jason's less uh, lower enthusiasm for this movie, I wanted to get an alternative perspective. He said, uh, Rosetta, Luke and Jean-Pierre Dardenne's terminally bleak, stoically drab portrait of a desperate 17-year-old Belgian girl comes decorated with honors that most filmmakers would kill to have attached to their work. This grim quasi-documentary filmed with handheld cameras in places it's almost as jiggly as the Blair Witch Project picked up the top prize at this year's Cannes Film Festival and a Best Actress Award for its chunky, rosy-cheeked star. So unnecessary. It really is. <laughs> Emily Dickin. But Rosetta is so clinically waffles. detached from its subject and its screenplay so minimal that we never really feel the title character's intense suffering or even get to know her very well. As she spirals into despair, the film's heavy social realist angst feels more than a little contrived. So his, his unnecessary dig yeah, at her like, appearance aside. With all that walking in that movie, you would think she would lose those love handles, right? Like, yeah. what kind of review is this? That is really un, uh, inappropriate. Totally unnecessary yes. on his part. Yes. Um, I what what quasi documentary? What are we are we just talking about? Is he saying stylistically? I think he's just saying stylistically okay. that this feels like. And the Darden brothers came from documentary. Yeah. Is their background? Is, there's nothing quasi documentary about this. This is shot in that very naturalistic, almost, uh, you know, kind of dogma 95-ish, let's just put the camera in and go type way. Yeah, but there are lights though. Right, but but there's no, and there's no score, which is a hallmark of especially the early Darden Brothers uh, films. Um, but I don't think you could ever look at this and think, oh, this is a documentary. Like they're really following this girl around. Yeah, but um, are either of the Darden brothers overweight? Because that's really important to how <laughs> yes, I feel about this cute. film. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the way that some critics talked about uh, uh, the appearances of actors is uh, pretty retrograde, even in 1999. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just like such an unnecessary detail about like it doesn't play anything like if the character, if there was something about her weight that played into the movie, I could say I could see saying like, oh, she's chunky or she is too thin and has an eating disorder. Right. Like if she's concerned right? about that or it affects her story. But right. Yes, like Christian Bale with the machinist was too yes, thin. And we all yes. know De Niro gained weight to play Jake LaMotta. But this is just like, why, why pick on this, this wonderful uh, yes, depressing, but like good performance here. You know? Right. No, it is. It is is really uh, gratuitous. But um, but I mean, in terms of the idea of this being just sort of grim and detached. And did you feel like you understood the character or understood her suffering? Uh, yeah, but also like she makes like I said, she makes it harder on herself in ways that, you, you know, you're not necessarily supposed to be sympathetic to her anyway. Like when she almost murders that guy, right? <laughs> yes. So like, yeah, I mean, you understand it, but like it is grim. It is desolate. It is uh, emotionally draining. But does that all add up for something like emotionally satisfying? Not necessarily for me. Right, right. I mean, and I think it's some of that is the idea that you would expect in a movie like this to be on that character's side. And so it's sort of jarring. Well, that's to, the detachment. Yeah, to realize that maybe you're not, or it's really hard to be on her side, even though maybe she well, warrants she's chunky. it. 
Right. Yeah. That's, How can you root for? I know it's it's clearly you know, impossible. A woman that's like ten pounds overweight. Right. In a movie from nineteen ninety nine. No. That's just clearly Stephen, Stephen Holden cannot. That <laughs> yeah. that that yeah. did it for him. So I don't understand. No, it was impossible. She's not even really. Chunky. She's really you not. Know, She's like, really not at all. That wasn't something that I noticed at all watching this film. It's pretty fitted. Like, yeah. But even if she was fat, who would care? Like I just don't get it. No, yeah. no, that is uh, again gratuitous. Something you would expect from like Rex Reed, who's always commenting on that sort of thing yeah i don't even think we got that from our friend bosley crowder back in the- no no at least not in anything that we've talked about yeah. um so jason obviously you're not familiar with the dark totally new to them totally new to uh this film yeah and you know a lot of the times when we do something like this and it's a filmmaker i haven't seen before i'll be like okay cool now i'm gonna deep dive them kind of need a rest no no yeah. more darden films i'm for not you? saying i wouldn't watch another of their movies but i don't think i could watch more than one in a row like one a day like that would be that would be bad that would be bad for my mental health it is it is tough so i will say i had not seen this film before but i had seen before watching this i think four other darden brothers films um although not in quite a while and so I did decide, like, especially because uh, we we ended up recording this podcast a couple of days later than we initially planned. And I had I had some extra time and I was like, I'm going to watch another one because it's been a while. Yeah. And so I watched uh, The Kid with a Bike from 2011, um, which is actually similar in a lot of ways to Rosetta in that it has this young, younger than Rosetta, but a young character who you would think would be sympathetic, but is extremely unpleasant. Yeah. Um. And but I kind of felt that uh, watching that fairly close on the was heels he of Rosetta, he was not chunky. He was actually he was quite thin. Bike, no, so yeah, he was in good shape. He did a lot of bike riding, yeah. a lot of running. He's very fast, oh, the kid. Yeah. Um, but watching that film, I was like, yeah, this is too much Dardens for me. And that that has <laughs> that's just one after. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I I don't love. I, I think you know they they're they're hugely acclaimed. Not only this film, but almost all of their films. And I don't really ever feel that level of enthusiasm. I can respect what they do and appreciate it, but it is a lot. That's not for me, but that's yeah. okay. It doesn't mean it's, it's like the last one we covered wild, wild West. when I'm like, <laughs> it's not for me. I'm like, it's probably not, it shouldn't be for anybody. But this one, I'm like, it's not for me, but go, go with, uh, go with grace, gents, go with God, enjoy. And you know, find your audience, which they clearly have. Right. Yes. So, yes. Um, but Josh, you mentioned the, kid with the bike yes it did win the grand prix at the uh palm uh the or festival known as can that's the word i'm looking for the palm d'or is the top prize yes the grand prix is the second prize yeah, so yes. that when that was when that was there, yeah really. and and really like this was sort of the establishment with rosetta where like they're always at can basically they could yeah. do whatever they could make wild wild west too and can would be like okay we'll take well it. i mean film festivals have legacy you know directors right so, right i and, mean you know, Sundance could show yoga hosers, right? Or something yeah, like that. did they? I wonder. I hope not. Yeah. I don't know if he wanted that. that no, probably not. So. Uh, so Dave, had you seen this or any Darden movies? No, I had heard of them as one of those celebrated filmmakers, but no, never. And uh, I think I liked it uh, better than Jason, but I completely agree with him. One at a time is probably the way to experience them. <laughs> You're not in for a Darden marathon? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, that's I mean, fair. they were highly acclaimed recently, like last year for Young Ahmed. Right? Yeah, that yeah. was actually one of their less acclaimed films where some of the reviews are like, maybe this is not a masterpiece. And people are like amazed that that's the case. 
So it is kind of almost overblown when you read about any Darden Brothers film and how brilliant it is. But uh, anything else on the background here you want to mention, Jason? Um, let's see, Josh. I think you covered it pretty well there. Um, 10 Things I Hate About You also starred uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah. And uh, Larry Miller played the dad. Yeah. What if the Darden brothers had directed <laughs> 10 Things I Hate About that would You? Be, that would be a cool, like, you know, uh, new way to reboot it. That would be something. Do you want to know who was on the jury that year? I can tell you. Oh, that. yeah. Who was on the can jury? So some of the notable, it was Cronenberg. Uh, I think uh, David Cronenberg was the head of the jury. George Miller, who mm. we, uh, mm. we love George Miller. Yeah, Mad sure. Max. Holly Hunter mm. and uh, Jeff Goldblum here. <laughs> Yeah. Other movies that played at Cannes that year, Josh, All About My Mother, which did win Best Foreign Film. Yeah, Pedro Amadovar. That's a great movie. The Emperor and the Assassin. Dope movie. Okay, I haven't seen that. Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, Jim Jarmusch. Jarmusch. Uh Limbo, John Sayles. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Talk about a depressing movie, (laughs) Limbo. Yeah. The Straight Story, another friend of ours. This is quite a lineup. Yeah. And uh, Wonderland. Uh, is that Winterbottom or who's? Oh, know, maybe Wonder, I'm not sure. Wonderland. I know it's another big, big director there. So yeah, and this was a unanimous choice. Sometimes the can uh, jury can get very contentious. Yeah, but uh, this was not the case uh, for Rosetta. And sometimes, unanimous. like this year, they can just announce the winner when they're not supposed to. Right. That that does happen as well. Spike Lee's jury. Yeah. Year. Well, you know, he's an unconventional guy. Yeah, Winterbottom. Michael Wait, Winterbottom. Winterbottom. So like that's a pretty big list of. Well-known movies and well-known directors. Yeah. This just kind of broke through that. And they did. They did break through there. So uh, we'll come back then in a moment and talk about our general thoughts on Rosetta. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1999, we are talking about the Cannes Film Festival Palme d'Or winner, Rosetta from brothers uh, Jean-Pierre and Luc Dardin. And uh, Jason, you weren't really into this movie? No, I wasn't really into it. Uh, Didn't hate it, so I'm not going to crush it. Not like you did the Wild Wild West. Which deserved all the crushings. Yeah. Uh, uh, Did you, were you into it? Um, I mean, I think, like I said, about the Dardens in general, I can appreciate and admire what they do and yet not necessarily enjoy the experience of watching the movie. Yeah. I think as far as the spectrum of their films go, of the ones that I've seen, I liked this more than some others. I liked it more than The Kid with a Bike, which, like I said, I watched like two days later. I just watched that last night. And that was a movie where the main character the kid um who does have not the bikes not the bike although the bike is in it (laughs) that's Um, like the secondary league yeah um was just so unpleasant that i could not invest myself in his story and whether things would work out for him or not whereas rosetta but we know you hate kids and i do i proven on this podcast i i do hate kids and you know when i was thinking like maybe i'll watch another darden brothers movie and i picked that one and then i fairly quickly into it i'm like oh yeah maybe this was the wrong choice for me because i'm disinclined to like even even movies where everyone loves the kid and finds them cute oh yeah you know right exactly i i dislike the child so um i like this more than that but there are other darden brothers movies that i've liked more than this i think with with rosetta as a character even though as you say she makes a lot of really bad choices and you might be very frustrated with her I think it's easier to sort of 
feel sympathy for her and her situation. Nope. No, definitely not. Okay. Cause she makes all these choices that makes everything harder on herself that you're like, dude, just chill out. Just chill out, Rosetta. <laughs> Take a chill pill, right? Like, yeah. like you said, the opening scene, she's throwing a fit because she's getting fired. Uh, then when the waffle guy fires her, she's like throwing a fit because she's getting fired. And, you know, uh, she almost like lets a man die so she could have his menial job. And then when he like offers to pay her under the table, like he totally... Which, you know, he did something wrong and she like, she's like, well, you're going to F up. I'm going to F you over. And she just like totally throws him under the bus and like kills his livelihood. Like she's not a nice person or a character that I root for at all. And uh, when she tried to suicide herself and her mother, I thought maybe that's for the best job. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, you're not wrong about any of those things. She isn't a nice person, but I think. Maybe more so, again, than watching like The Kid with the Bike or even some of others. I mean, another Darden movie that I've seen, The Child, it begins with this couple selling their baby. So well, that's amazing. You know, it's it's a well, lot. Hard. Is it because they need money? Is yeah, it's because they need money. The Child was the Darden's second Palme d'Or win. Right. And it's it's a highly acclaimed, powerful film. Um but I think, you know, so in comparison to some of those, I can see where Rosetta is in a position where she's so desperate that you almost understand why she does these things. I don't think you can. I mean, I, I don't think you can understand why she would let that guy drown. No. OK, that's a little much. Yes. Yeah. Like that. That one was a tough one for me to understand. So like when I look at a movie like this, like we're saying, like, you don't always have to like it. What is to appreciate? Yes, the acting's good. I don't care for that like super clunk, like shaky follow cam. Like I don't mind obviously movement with the camera and handheld stuff, but it's like, it's like, I get it. She walks across the street a lot and fast. Right. You know? Um, so like, what is it that I can take away from this? Um, performances are fine. Like technically there is nothing and that's not an insult to them. That's the style, right? There's nothing technically where like, Oh, well they're doing something really unique here. Technically. Right? I mean, no, maybe not unique, but I mean, I do think, for example, the the follow shot, the shot, the sort of long tracking or handheld shot where they are walking, the camera is sort of walking behind the character and you see the back of their head. That is like known as like the Darden brothers signature shot. And if you see that in another movie, or at least for me, if I see that in another movie, I always think, well, that's the Darden shot. I mean, I think we've seen that in plenty of movies though. Well, right. But I think it's something that not necessarily that no one else had ever done, but it's something that they popularized. And I think that became part of, of their style. And that is a visual representation of their storytelling. The idea that here we are behind this person the whole time. Then I would argue that it, becomes less effective if you overdo it, which they do constantly in this movie. I guess I didn't feel like it was necessarily overdone. I feel like using it and there's so many long takes. I mean, I, I don't want to discount the technical merits of this film because those long takes are difficult to yeah, they stage. Are. They are. I'm just saying like, I'm yes, you're right. That's fair. These are fair points. They're not bad. Like there's nothing bad in this movie, but it just didn't connect with me either from that story point or from the technical standpoint, like I didn't take away anything. Like I, and I feel like I should give an example, right? Like, sure. Okay. So 
none of us and i'm a huge scorsese fan we know that but none of us like new york new york when we watched it right right but i thought the musical sequences were really good and that first 20 minutes where de niro is like a horrible character and you're already disliking him i thought the way scorsese moved the camera through that like giant party was awesome right so um i just don't have that here i don't have anything to latch on to josh yeah, I mean, this is obviously a very, very different movie right. from that. I think this is a better movie than New York, New York. Well, I like this movie more. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I mean, and I, I'm going to end up giving it the same rating, but, uh, <laughs> but like I'm saying, I don't, I don't disagree that you're making a fair point. Okay, well, thank I'm just you. saying, like for me, you know, and yeah. like you said, they're so detached. Like it's easier as an audience member to disconnect in that way if you're not, if you're not like in it. Right. I mean, I think you're right in the sense that they are not filmmakers who are reaching out to the audience. In a way, I think maybe they are deliberately alienating the audience. They're they're presenting someone who is unpleasant and then they're saying like they're challenging you to understand that person. Yeah, I, th I think that this is the kind of character that you don't see very often for good reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not someone you really want to follow along. But we all know people like this who just never seem to get out of their own way in trying to make their situation better. But we've seen unlikable or characters we don't want to root for that are still grab our interests. And this has nothing to do with um, the actress. This has more to do with like just the monotony of the story. Like it didn't go anywhere like what if this was 12 minutes would that be different yeah i mean i think you're not wrong about the sort of shapelessness of this film and that's something that's a hallmark of their films later later darden brothers films have more plot even if it's a fairly minimal but there's certain films that have like suspense elements to them that that are don't really exist in this movie i think however there is something like, yes, you could get a lot of this out of a movie, a version that was 12 minutes long. But I think there's something to be said for how much time they are asking you to spend to be with this unpleasant mm -hmm. person, that there's a cumulative effect to that. And it maybe it's an unpleasant effect that you didn't like. And, and I, too, didn't necessarily like enjoy. But I think there is an extra element here to the fact oh, that it's that long. It's like you said. Palm d'Or winner in and we read the jury out and we read the other movies there right so clearly I'm not of the majority in this one right, right? no and that's fine I mean you know you don't have to be in the majority for your criticisms to be legitimate yeah I want to be a minority <laughs> okay thank you Green Day yeah <laughs> <laughs> what about the waffles I Did like you waffles. like the waffles? I like waffles. We don't have many waffle stands right. here in America. That's a Belgian thing, clearly. You yes. know? And uh, if there was a waffle stand, I could see myself going to do. We have some interesting waffles here in Las Vegas. Uh, that place, Taibi, they make waffles, but you can get like Thai chicken waffle. Like, So it's not in the waffle, but that's like what they're topping with. You know, you can get some interesting waffles. I, I'm all for waffles. Okay. Did you find the uh, like the cooking segment like like strangely fascinating? Like the way he was teaching her how to carry the bag of flour and like how many eggs and all. I, I just thought it looked. You're talking really about in the industrial. Yeah. Um, as a what, food guy, what was you know? it? What, what was it that? It that was just like exactly how to carry the big bag of of, of flour. No, no I know what it was. That. What was it that got you? Oh, I, I just I just thought it was interesting. It was like very just like almost behind the scenes ish okay. into that kind of a kitchen. Okay, so you're yeah. like it's like Whiplash, for instance, when you're learning like the yeah. beats of how it would be to be a drummer. Like, no, I'm totally 
I like stuff like that. So it, it didn't, maybe because I, you know, uh, write about food, it didn't get me because I know that world a little more. But yeah. in general, I am definitely uh, pro glimpse into a world that I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think that like procedural aspect where they're showing things about someone's menial job yeah. that another movie would just gloss over is actually something that comes up. And my favorite Darden Brothers movie is The Sun. And that's one that has more plot. The idea there is this guy, uh, his his child was killed in uh, yeah, yeah, some yeah. right. Okay, <laughs> some some sort of I forget the details, but it's it's like not an accident, but something where it was like semi accidental. And so the person who killed his child has been released from prison, and he is a, like a carpenter, and he hires this person unbeknownst to them. They don't know who he is. He hires the killer of his child as his carpentry apprentice in in a sort of uh, obsession way of like, you know, trying to get in with this person. And it, it is fascinating. So he, know, so the, he knows, but the person, the killer does not know. That, he thinks he's just been hired out of prison for a job to kind of rehabilitate. Yeah, I, I again, like I don't dis like. I'm not discounting them as filmmakers. I don't know if I never need to watch any other of the Dardenne movies based on everything you told me. <laughs> you have not gotten me to go. And I don't mind depressing movies, but right. like, man, all of these are just like uh, uh, pushing you a little closer towards the edge there, huh? Yeah. And my, my, my point about that was not about what the plot of that movie is, but even though that sounds like a lot, actually quite a lot of plot for a Darden Brothers movie. And there's that suspense of like, what is he going to do? And is the guy going to find out? There is so much carpentry in that movie. <laughs> like, and it, it is really just like focusing on that day-to-day -day element of their job. And on the one hand, you're like, what the hell with the carpentry? What about, <laughs> is he going to murder this guy or not? But on the other hand, you're like kind of soothed into this rhythm. And that's part of what it is, is that you get into that lull and you almost forget about the suspense until it comes back. Did you? But I didn't get that here. It wasn't like these like quintessential waffle making. No, no, there's less right? of that. Yeah. Um, also, I want to go back to that follow shot for one thing because, yeah. and I, I it, it, it's you guys, you spurred something in me, okay. Josh. You know, I often talk about how I like environment as a character. I think when they do that follow shot so much, I lost the environment completely. Like huh. how, cause she's walking everywhere. Right. I mean, maybe she takes the bus here and there, right. But like, how far is the trailer park from where she's working? How is she getting there? What is that landscape? Like, I'm not seeing any of that. And when she's walking through the woods, like, um, it's really, again, I'm, I don't know anything about that kind of like area what I'm seeing and that pond where like almost everyone who goes in seems to drown. Right. It's like that pond. What's going on with that thing? Right. I'm just saying I, I'm not getting any type of environment from this film other than it's urban and there's a trailer park on the edge of it. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that's true. You don't necessarily like sometimes she takes the bus and sometimes she walks and you're like, how far is this from this? Where is the waffle stand? I, I think that's fair, but I, I did feel like I got a sense of the environment, especially in the trailer park with the, the skeezy guy who's like the landlord and just the the depressing sort of nature of like who winds up there. Yeah, I, I felt like there was some environmental setting aspect to that that came across. Maybe Jason I'm reading it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he does, but maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I thought it was like more so she doesn't pay attention to any of that. And so it's kind of why it's there. Maybe because it's second nature to her. And like, that's, I mean, literally like every day it's like, 
walk very fastly, take a bus, go into town, try to find a job. That's go all home, she cares about. Try to kill me and my mother. Let's talk <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about the ending. Yeah. Okay, so basically, things have not gone well for her. And yeah. but she, she at this point, she actually has a job she, after she screwed that dude out of his job. She does. But you get the sense that maybe she does feel the guilt for having done it that way. And so she calls and she decides she's, she quits her job. She calls the boss. She says, I quit. And she uh, her mom is passed out from drunkenness. Yes. She drags the mom back into the trailer. She uh, stops up the uh, door she does, however, make herself a nice egg to eat first. Yeah, it's interesting. Not a waffle. No. And not an egg that I would eat. It's like a hard-boiled egg. Yeah, she could have hung out with uh, Cool Hand Luke and had an egg-eating contest. Are you a hard-boiled egg guy, Josh? I see you as a hard-boiled No, I don't egg. really eat eggs of any kind. Yeah, Dave. We, we love hard-boiled yeah, eggs Yeah, I feel in this like house. we had this discussion when we talked I about Cool we Hand did. Luke. Yeah, we probably did. <laughs> um, I'm not a hard-boiled egg person. But well, I was going to do a murder-suicide on me and my mom, which I've thought about. <laughs> and I'd probably make us an omelet first or yeah. something like right. that. Maybe some scrambled yeah, eggs. So, that's nice. know, no, but, but the point is right. She's decided it's, we're going to end it all. So, and she turns on the gas on the stove and she lies down and it's like, this is over. And then the gas runs out. Right. And it's comical. It is funny. And I think it's meant to be funny. I like that part of the movie, but at the same time, had that been the ending and he, the murder suicide had gone through, I'd have been like, this is a justified ending and I'm okay with this movie ending here. Right. But I mean, weirdly, there is a kind of a moment. So the gas runs out. She goes to the landlord. She gets a new canister of gas and she's trying to haul it back. It's very heavy. And then the guy that she screwed out of the waffle job shows up on his little moped. Yeah. And it seems like he's kind of harassing her. He's like riding around her, not saying anything and just... Uh, you he know, helps her, though, he's yeah. angry, but that's the final shot of this is she, she falls down and he helps her up and you have this look on her face. Like maybe there's some hope in the world and that's what we end on. Well, he's been nice to her the whole time, except when she, you know, tries to, well, not even after the murder party is like, ah, you tried to, but you didn't. Right. So it's, I guess we're still cool. Right. 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 It's after she takes him out of the job. That actor is Fabrizio Rangione. Yes. Um, but I guess what I'm just saying is that like after all the depressingness and the sort of comical ridiculousness of the failed suicide, there is a tiny sliver of hope at the end of this film. Unless it's like, thanks for helping me back up. Now I can go finish my murder suicide. Right. And that's possible. We don't know where it's going to go from there, but I, I choose to believe maybe that they're giving you a little bit of hope at the end of the film. How undardanian of you. <laughs> maybe. So uh, I feel like at this point, should we rate We've this? Covered this yeah, thing pretty yeah. well through. It gets two and a half from me, and I think two and a half is always like the borderline of like not good, not bad. Uh, it's usually worth watching. I will tell you if it's a disappointment at two and a half. This is not a disappointment. It's just two and a half for me. Yeah. So uh, well, we didn't say why. Well, oh, we, we have to make murder sure we suicide. Murder suicide. I was going to say out of out of waffles, <laughs> but you know, you can murder suicide by waffle. There, I don't know how that would work. Well, you, okay. you poison the waffle. Poison the waffles. Yeah, yeah mm. good idea. Yeah, uh, maybe next time you make a chaffle, you <laughs> yes. poison it. Yeah, and you see how that works. So. Yeah, not well. Hey, Josh. Yes. Uh, you ever thought about doing a murder suicide? So yeah. I'm going to rate this a three <laughs> out of five, I think, and and I'm only a little bit ahead of you. Again, I you know to me three is like. It's worthwhile for what it is, but I didn't hard necessarily love it. It's hard to watch. Absolutely. 
you know, if you're not familiar with the Dardens, go in knowing that this is not going to make you feel good. But I think it is an accomplishment to appreciate. So, Dave, what would you rate this? I'm going to go with three and a half. Since oh, we're right. defining our ratings this episode, uh, that means that I liked it a lot, but I probably wouldn't watch it again. But it's good. It's okay. very yeah. good. Easier or harder to watch than four months, three days, well, whatever. Oh, yeah. Four months, three weeks, and two days. Yeah, which, what, which we covered in what year? 2007. 2007. Yeah. Palm winner, the Romanian abortion movie, right? Yes. I mean, there's a lot of shaky cam in this, so that kind of... Yeah, I think this is harder to watch than the Romania an abortion yeah. film, where they almost show up an abortion that I had to turn away with when they yeah. showed up. Yeah, <laughs> that is a tough call, whether this is harder to watch than that. I mean, I don't think... I, well, I was going to say, I don't think either of them I would want to watch again, but uh, four months, three weeks, two days, I have watched twice. Yeah, I watched, I watched yeah. it again and for the podcast. it's an hour longer, too. Yeah. But I would watch that one again yeah. before this one. Um, Dave, would you... Uh, are you going to watch another Darden Brothers movie, you think? I think I probably will. That one you were talking about sounds pretty good to me it, it is good yeah. that like of the ones i've seen that's that's the one that i would recommend the most yeah but uh, i'm just gonna watch like a carpentry show and not worry about <laughs> yeah, all this that, that's fair so we'll, we'll come back then in a moment and talk about the legacy of but josh before we do which is harder to watch dardan or romanian abortions um i i mean the dardens like cumulatively i think it's harder to watch but that film on its own maybe is tougher to watch than Rosetta. See, and I think, I, I like that movie better, but the yeah. technical stuff I took away from that was impressive for me. So. No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's a, it's a tough choice. And, to I, and by technical stuff, I mean like film technique, yeah, right. not how to perform an abortion illegally. Okay, let's clear that up. Glad we clarified that. Let's come back after this. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1999, we have been talking about Cannes Film Festival Palme d'Or winner Rosetta from the Dardenne Brothers. And as we've said, this was kind of their big breakthrough. This was their fourth fiction feature, but this was the one that really brought them to this wider international audience. I have a question for you, Josh. Yes. Do you know of any of the, I, we talked about a lot of the narrative stuff. What about, what kind of documentaries did they make? I'm not sure. I haven't seen, and those are, I think, harder to find. I think they may have been done, some of them for like Belgian TV, but I think it's probably a similar, like naturalistic, day in the life kind I of I wonder stuff. what the subjects are, if they're as bleak as this. I thing. don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I've seen a number of their other films. I mentioned The Sun and uh, The Child. Uh, also, I've seen Lorna's Silence and probably their most famous film, Two Days, One Night with Marion Cotillard, which was, she was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress for that film. Right. Another depressing film where she plays a woman who works at a factory and has to somehow convince all of her coworkers to take pay cuts so that she doesn't get fired. Wow. Yeah. You know, I wanted to mention something else about The Sun. Yeah. Um, Olivier Gomez, yeah. Uh, who played the waffle boss in this yes, movie. Yes, yes. He won Best Actor at Cannes in 2002 for The Sun. And he has, both he and uh, Fabrizio Rangioni, who are in this film, have both worked extensively with the Dardens in multiple yeah. other Dardenne Brothers and films. We said Emily Duquesne, a uh, very successful actress. Uh, she won Best Actress at Cannes in uh, 2012 for Our Children. Probably the movie that kind of um, did the best business in America was Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yeah, which I remember really liking when that came out, but it's been so long, I don't recall her role in it and, yeah. and what she did. And but The Girl on the Train, that, that kind of... 
was yeah. a popular one. I think. Yeah, I mean, all of those, you know, all three of these actors working mainly in French film and Belgian film, not really movies that necessarily make it here in America. I did think it was interesting that this is such a breakout role for Emily Duquesne, but unlike the male co-stars here, she did not work with the Dardens again. So, yeah. and I don't know why that well, is. Well, now you said you remember liking Brotherhood of the Wolf. Right? Yes. Now, did you note if she was chunky or not in that film? I did that? not. And I'm not sure. So it had no effect on I don't the think film so. was good or and if like, she was good at all? And like, did she turn into a werewolf in that yeah. movie? And was the werewolf chunky? Like, yeah. I don't know. Was it gamey? Was I don't, it, was I, it don't I don't recall. Because these are things that some ca- critics find important. Obviously to- so. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been like 20 years since I saw that that movie so that wasn't a note that i had but uh good question i mean five like i said best belgian film awards uh, the andre Cavan. i don't know who andre Cavans is i should yeah. look that up and they were also given the grand cross of the order of the crown in belgium yeah i mean again i think belgium doesn't necessarily have a, a large body of you know internationally known filmmakers so in bruges in Bruges, which is not it's an American or British <laughs> no, film. It's not, yeah. It's, it's definitely not, not a Belgian film. I know that. Um, yeah, I mean they they won that second Palme d'Or for the child. They they're I, I didn't look this up, but I would bet that every film they've made since Rosetta has played at Cannes. That's right. just kind yeah, of I think the way Young Ahmed they won Best Director for. Um, and we mentioned, yeah. So they they're just they're just rocking Europe. They are, and they have another film I think that's set to go into production later this year. That will depress uh, everyone. No doubt. Yes. And one other weird thing, this movie was uh, erroneously credited with inspiring the Rosetta Law in Belgium that was about uh, paying teenagers uh, minimum wage. But the Dardens have said that actually it had nothing to do with it. Yeah, they said this was already that was already in the process. But what's interesting there is like that capturing that zeitgeist moment of something that's important as it's happening. Right, right. And people assume that this must have had that. Uh, effect because it's such an influential film. So uh, yeah, our Darden Brothers Film Festival starts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's not do that, please. No, no, and I yeah, I, it's after watching the kid with the bike. Uh, it'll be a while for me, I think, before I get back to watching another Darden but film. This is our first from Belgium, I think, that we've covered. Yeah. Nine seasons of awesome movie year, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, and and again, you know, regardless of our mixed response, the Dardens are are major, major important international cinema actors, and we're not <laughs> discounting the worth of the work, right? Right. So that's important, you right? Know? Right. I mean, I think it. This is absolutely this film and all their films are not for everyone. They're not, and I'm part of everyone. Clearly. So that is Rosetta, and that is this episode of Awesome Movie Year. Uh, if you're depressed, reach out to us on social media. Yeah, reach out. Uh, Dave is a um, certified counselor for uh, making. No, no, definitely you know? not. Oh. Definitely not. Ever, uh, you ever, ever talk someone off the ledge, Dave? Asking the hard questions in this episode, Always. Jason. Always. I've, I've done it a few times. I okay, that's a fact. Wow. All right. Yeah. No, or, I can't you know, say who that. Knows I what would have happened? But right. I mean. And honestly, like, if I'm the one who has to talk you off the ledge, you're in bad shape. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> social media, Josh. Sure. Jason yeah. Harris Comedy uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Jay Harris Comedy on Twitter. Go for Jason.com. Having as tough a time succeeding as Rosetta. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Drowning in that pond. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But uh, it does like waffles. So. Nice. Yeah. Awesomemovieyear.com. All right. Doing okay for itself. Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome movie pod on Twitter. 
You can check me out at joshbellhateseverything.com, where I think I wrote a little thing on the sun way, way, way back. Also at Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at Piecing Pod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And uh, do we have a less depressing thing coming up in our next episode? We totally do, Josh. You're going to not only not be depressed, you're going to work off how whatever chunks you got on your body because we have a great documentary, a great music documentary. We're going to Cuba for the Buena Vista Social Club. And I really hope we can hear more of that accent. That wasn't an accent. That's how you say Cuba if you're speaking Spanish. All right. Well, we'll get Cuba. into that. Tune in for Buena Vista Social Club. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.